Welcome to the Resilient Christian Podcast. This is a podcast where we clear the clutter, the noise, and the half-truths for deeper, more resilient discipleship to Jesus. And welcome to season three of our podcast. Thanks for listening. If any of you are new, uh, we just want to take a moment to introduce ourselves. I'm Aaron, and I serve as the main host of the show. And I'm John, and I serve as the co-host of the show. I'm also a full-time pastor and a church planner of Friends Church Eastvale. And we launch our new church uh, in just a month, which is awesome. Uh, I'm also a family man, and I've been married 13 years, and I have two children. And I love basketball, sports, the outdoors, good coffee, great books, like N.T. Wright, and, uh, and then really good, honest conversations. So that's me. Uh, John, how about you want to share something with the audience about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, I work at French Church Yorba Linda, so kind of in unison with, with Aaron there, but at a different spot. Um, I'm in seminary uh, right now. I'm, I'm getting a, a MDiv in spiritual formation, which is quite a mouthful. Um, and I kind of like all the same things that you do, Aaron. I was like, oh, he stole all my hobbies. So maybe that's why Maybe that's why we're <laughs> friends. I, I also like uh, uh, traveling. I like exploring cities. And um, yeah, I like, I like cooking too. I didn't hear you say cooking. So yeah, I, I like to chef a little oh. bit. So, uh, I'm not a foodie, man. Yeah. You're, you were more of a foodie. Than yeah. I'm a little sure. more of the foodie. Yep. Yep. So, so that's, are me. you a sushi guy? Yeah. Sushi? Oh yeah. I love sushi. Yeah. I like everything. Yeah, me too. Except for blue cheese. I do. I hate blue cheese. Only thing I don't Ooh. like. Yep. I like Isn't blue that cheese. Random? I like brie cheese. Yeah. Too. I like brie. Yeah. Mm, good. <laughs> um, so season three, man, this is season yeah. three. We've done a whole year of the show, which is awesome. Yeah. And season three, we want to dig more deeper into answering the question, how to become a resilient disciple of Jesus. Uh, over the first 20 episodes, we kind of danced around the topic and we were learning podcasting on all of that. But now we've had a whole year underneath our belt. And over the next eight episodes between now and May, we are going to share with you four to five strategies to become a resilient disciple of Jesus. Now, our definition of a resilient disciple is this. It's someone who effectively becomes more like Jesus in character and lifestyle, does the stuff that Jesus does in ministry, despite living within and engaging a secular culture that opposes Jesus and his way of life. Um, I want to talk about that, that definition for a moment. Uh, John, what, what stands out to you uh, from our definition? Yeah, I think, I think the thing that stands out is that, you know, we're now in a culture that opposes Jesus. You know, being a resilient disciple requires some bravery. You know, where where mm. past generations, I don't think you really had to be brave in America uh, to call yourself a Christian. Now, I think calling yourself a Christian and following Jesus entails that you live a different way of life. And there may be a, a, a small amount of, of persecution from our culture for it. And there's a bravery in facing that. Yeah, the number of stats, they've done some research on people who call themselves Christians, like if you are a, a Christian and you're in a group of non-Christians, the number of people who actually say I'm a Christian now has gone down a lot and they refer to themselves as a follower of Jesus. And, and mm. so that word Christian even can feel like um, it's gotten political. Like there's a political connotation to that word. And so people have tried to remove themselves from it. I think it's more generational. I think it's more um, 35 and under millennial Gen Z 
who maybe avoid that that word. Um, I'm a I'm a I'm an old millennial. I'm the oldest you can get. Um, I have I have some weird feelings about that word, even though I I, I say, say I'm a Christian. Just pragmatically, it's easier. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that definition, going back to it again, it's somebody who effectively. So that's an important word, right? Mm-hmm. Effective. Mm-hmm. It's not like just a good intention. It's someone who's effective at becoming more like Jesus in character and lifestyle and ministry, despite living and engaging a secular culture that opposes Jesus. So what we're saying too is it's not somebody who becomes like Jesus in isolation, even in a community. It's people who are engaging and living in a secular culture. Um, And so we're not calling people to retreat. I think that's part of the resilience is we recognize that it requires uh, an engaging with a secular culture that may um, not be in line with what you value and what you think and what you believe. You're, you might, uh, as John said, receive some level of, I think what the right phrase is soft persecution mm-hmm. and soft persecution is uh, dismissal. Maybe you don't get that job. Maybe you lose some friends. It's not hard persecution like our friends in China and, uh, you know, Pakistan and North Korea, where there's real persecution, physical persecution. But we might face some soft persecution where you may get kind of mocked, looked down on, um, you know, lose friends, that kind of a thing. But that's that's a reality. It's happening in our world today. John, any thoughts? You know, it's it's. It's funny. I, I agree with the word Christian. It's not my favorite word to use anymore because it's kind of that checkbox thing. You know, like a lot of people grew up Christian, so they call themselves Christians. And and I, I would almost like it to be, you know, um, I like follower Jesus. I, I you know, I, there's no distinction between someone who actually follows Christ and someone who calls himself mm-hmm. a Christian. And then they all get lumped in with each other, right? And it's like, well, there's varying degrees of people who practice levels of of Christianity, right? You have people in ministry like us and you have people who call themselves Christians who go to church maybe twice a year. So um, it's not a great term. Uh, and we all we all push ourselves into that term and doesn't do a good job of really describing uh, the, the varying degrees of, of, of all of us. So, you know, you can't even define it by church commitment because you have people in churches that are that are crooked. Yeah. You know, and, and we know we well, know the scandals around church leaders the last couple of years in, in our world. And it's been so sad because it's given such a distrust to the authority of church leaders that are really trying to go after following Jesus. Yeah. We could talk a lot about yeah, that. Yeah, we could go forever. That's another, that's another podcast. <laughs> yeah. We can't go down that rabbit hole. Um, so another reason why we need to be resilient disciples is because we live in what we call the three posts, post-family, post-truth, and post-church culture. The post-truth, post-family, post-church culture is a reality in our world today. Now, in pockets of our world, it's not. So the South tends to be more of a, of a, of a still a churched culture in the South. L.A., Orange County, San Diego, we're seeing a lot of changes, especially in the greater L.A. area. I would say in our neck of the woods in Orange County, we're like on the cusp of seeing a post post church. There's still a lot of churches out there that are thriving, but it's, it's, you can see it. We've seen and felt shifts in orange County in the last three to five years. Wouldn't you say, John? Yeah. Yeah. I would say, you know, I spent a lot of time in the South and so 
to put it really as a, as a young person, I would say it's cool to be a, a pastor in the South. Like those people are, are considered pretty high up in, in their society uh, and in their culture, everybody looks up to them. And, 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 you know, it's like, I went to churches in the South and it was like the coolest people are the pastors, right? They're all perfectly dressed and, and they were, they look like mm. they were, you know, the high school quarterbacks, right? That's not, gosh, I would love that. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Dude. It's not how it is. <laughs> it's in not California. how it is in California, right? <laughs> like in no, California, dude. it's like, oh, it's the Christians <laughs> over there, right? It's kind of this oh, you subculture yeah. within the culture where like those guys are weird. So yeah, I can definitely, you know, just feel the difference between the two. It's mm, good. So over the next eight episodes, we are going to cover four to five strategies of becoming the kind of person that can follow Jesus um, and be resilient through our culture. Here's the topics we're going to cover. I'm excited. Uh, experiencing Jesus daily, which is what we're going to get into today. Creating community in the church. Um, understanding vocational discipleship being culturally discerning, and number five, embracing weakness as the pathway for power and fruitfulness. Ooh, that last yeah. one is going to be so good. Uh, those are all really great topics. Uh, we have some good guests lined up as well. Uh, next episode, we're, we're going to be talking about transforming trauma and how transforming trauma is necessary for experiencing Jesus, um, which is kind of a follow-up to this episode. So uh, let's talk about experiencing Jesus and why is experiencing Jesus daily important to being a resilient disciple. Uh, Jesus says in John 15, probably one of our favorite verses uh, here, verses five and six, it says this, I am the vine, this is Jesus speaking, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. And uh, Jesus is getting at this really important metaphor that kind of pervades all of scripture. The word uh, abide means to, or remain means to abide. And abiding in Jesus is essential to being a disciple. I don't know if you, you can't be a disciple if you're not going to abide in Jesus. Um, a disciple is a student or apprentice. Uh, a student uh, of a mentor or a teacher would spend time with that mentor or teacher, and they would take on the characteristics of their mentor and teacher as a way of life. So there's no way for us to be resilient if we don't value abiding with Jesus. Um, we'll come back to this passage in a few minutes, but in John 14, 23, Jesus said this, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. That's a teacher to his pupils, right? My, fam my, my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. I love that phrase, make our home with them. I love the idea of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, making their home in every person, in you and me, as we abide in Jesus. And so a Christian believes that Jesus is alive through the resurrection, and we can know him through the Spirit. And a resilient disciple doesn't just go to church on Sundays. They seek to live a seven-day lifestyle of obeying Jesus. You know, it makes me think of being in relationship with Jesus, you know, and it's it's... Mm. It's uh, very spiritual and it requires, uh, you know, one thing is, is, is it's hard to abide in Jesus and in, in, in this culture and this society, which is so hyper-focused on productivity and work. And in order to abide in Jesus, there's like this slower pace that you need to be in, I feel like, you know, and, and there needs mm -hmm. to be a focus on slowing down and, and just 
listening and and trying to have a relationship with him but you can't do that unless you instill i think practices in your life where where you slow down and, and cultivate that relationship um and so i well you're you're speaking to i think the 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 obstacles yeah to it yeah and we live in a culture again the secular culture that has idols you know idols are these things that we're tempted to like worship and value more mm-hmm. than God in, in Jesus. And one of the idols of our culture is productivity. Yeah. It's busyness. There's, there's, there's no way to abide in Jesus. If all we're thinking of is producing more and more and more and more, there's no way to just be with Jesus and to hear his voice. If we're just constantly on the go and, you know, addicted to our digital platforms. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, you know, it's something that I struggle with. I'm sure it's something you struggle with, right? I mean, um, no, I'm going to say that's true. I, I forgot just, about I that. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm one of those. Uh, no, yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm fasting for our church right now. And I'm trying to give up. Um, I'm trying to only look at social media between the hours, my work hours, eight and five. Yeah. And dude, it's tough to not carry that over into my home life and all that. Yeah, yeah. It's no, that's that's so good. The, the very first way of how to abide in him comes from uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I think it's Stephen Covey who wrote that book. Uh, have you read that before, John? It's like essential reading for a lot of business I people. know. I You know, it's been on my list for a long time, but I, I haven't gotten to it yet. It's really good. And there's a lot of application to spiritual life. But his number one way of like what it means to be effective is to rethink your values. And so the, the very first way that for us as followers of Jesus to be effective disciples who are resilient, we need to rethink our values. Do we really value uh, abiding with Jesus or not? Um, again, uh, you know, John, Luke 14, 25 through 29, Jesus said this, that there's a cost to following him. He says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father or mother, wife or children, meaning don't, you know, they're, 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 they're more important than God. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciples. So he's talking about priorities here. What's the most important thing? Then he said in verse 28, suppose one of you wants to be a, uh, wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? So when Jesus talked this, this, this passage about discipleship, he wanted us to count the cost of what it meant to put him first to follow. So we have to rethink our values and ask ourselves some hard questions of, do we really value abiding with Jesus and obeying his teaching? Um, And look ourselves in the mirror. And I I don't know about you, John, but for me, the way that I know if I value something is what my money's going towards and how I'm using my time. How do you know what you value? How do you determine that for yourself? Um, one thing I, I also look at is, is what is my thought life like? You know, when mm-hmm. I wake up, what am I thinking about? You know, what's the first thing you think about when you wake up? What's the first thing you think about when you go to bed? Um, that probably gives you some insight into what your idols are. So Dallas Willard, somebody that we admire here, he said this, that there is a cost to non-discipleship to Jesus. And I want to pause here for a moment because there is a cost to not following Jesus. And when we choose to actively follow, uh, not follow Jesus, there are consequences to our lives. And I, I think sometimes we forget that, that, oh, following Jesus, there's a cost. 
and if I don't, but if I don't follow Jesus, I get to have all of my life go perfect, you know, as if like there's like this dualism yeah. between following Jesus will be kind of hard and, and, and stuff. But, but really as followers of Jesus, there's joy and there's the easy yoke of Jesus and there's purpose and meaning and all of those things that Jesus gives, but there is a cost to not following Jesus. And to me, you know, the number one cost pra practically is um, I find myself in, in addiction. I can find myself in uh, depression. I can find myself in loneliness and isolation. Uh, there's a lot of things that can go south with just pursuing um, my, my, what my own self wants, everything my, my own self wants. I, you know, I became a Christian at 23. I, I know the cost of not following Jesus. <laughs> and I, I would say it's much greater uh, than the cost of following Jesus. I think joy and purpose is found in following Jesus. And, and mm. uh, outside of following Jesus, I mean, living an unintentional life has major consequences for sure. Yeah. So how do we abide in Jesus? We have to value it first, make it a priority time-wise. Um, we have to consider what the cost is of not following Jesus. Number two, uh, of how to become resilient followers of Jesus who experience him daily. Start with the end in mind. So we need to start with the end in mind. This is always a great habit to do at the be beginning of a new year. So let's think about this for a moment. What does a fully formed follower of Jesus look like? Let's just pause and discuss this. John, when you think about the end in mind of a fully formed follower, what does that person look like to you? I think the first thing that I would say is that person um, makes disciples, you know, and, and focuses on becoming a, a stronger disciple themselves. So, yeah. you know, there's kind of this, as I'm pursuing my own, you know, growth or sanctification is the theological word, right? I'm also pursuing to, to, bring others uh, into this uh, relationship with Christ and to, and to teach them what I've learned. So I think making disciples is important. I think um, reconciling people to God, you know, trying to um, teach people um, uh, what their identity in Christ is, you know, that they're fully forgiven, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that they're fully accepted, you know, that they're now a child of God and, and, what does that mean? And, and uh, helping people live and embrace and believe in that identity. Um, and then the, the, I would say maybe like the third thing would be, you know, is to destroy the works of the devil, right? Where, where are strongholds yeah. that we see? Where's sin in our culture around us in our own lives and the lives around us. And um, how do we help dismantle those strongholds? How do we, in the name of Jesus, um, make a difference and, and bring the Lord's kingdom here on earth. Um, so those, those are kind of the, the three that yeah. I would say a follower of Jesus does. Yeah. You, you just described perfectly the three major things Jesus did in his ministry. He reconciled people to God by preaching the gospel, repentance, and faith. He destroyed the works of Satan and he made disciples. Those are the three things. So like I think of a, a fully formed disciple, John 14, we already mentioned this verse. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Okay, so <clears throat> that's it, dude, right there, right? Yeah. John 14, 23. Anyone Done. who loves me will obey my teaching. So to me, a fully formed disciple is exactly what you just said. It's somebody who goes, okay, I need to obey Jesus today, my character, my lifestyle, and I want to follow Jesus. 
Um, and the way that we obey Jesus' teaching is doing the same things that Jesus did, which was reconcile people to God, which was destroy the works of Satan, and number three, make disciples. Um, the guy who started Navigators, I don't know his name, but he used to say that um, if you wanted to know what a, what a mature Christian was, look at like, you know, a mature plant, you know, a mature tree mm-hmm. or a mature person was somebody who reproduced. So like we consider maturity in our culture to be when you're ready to have kids and raise a family, you're like an adult. Mm. So in our culture, we tend to say when, when somebody is emotionally prepared to parent and all of that, we look at our, our world and we see plants and trees, they give fruit. Usually those trees are now fully grown. And uh, the, the guy at Navigator said that a Christian was fully mature when they were prepared and able to reproduce another Christ follower in their life. Mm. I love that illustration. So like until somebody is able and does actually reproduce a Christian in their life, that person is not yet fully formed to be like Jesus. That's a bit convicting. Um, And it makes me go, Ooh, like if we were to use that measurement in our churches and in my own life, I I don't know if we would say, um, maybe 20, 30% of people would be considered mature. Maybe that's the right number. You know, John, when you hear that, that illustration, I think every person that says, I'm just going to focus on my relationship with God should be (laughs) convicted by that statement, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, and what I hear is that uh, a disciple needs to be in community. Um, Mm -hmm. In order to make disciples, you have to be in community. You have to experience the struggles of being in community uh, the difficulty of loving somebody in community and, and you have to be focused on giving back, you know, it's not just about you and your growth and becoming the best you like it's about, uh, it's about passing this on and, and making disciples. And we talked about this yesterday, Aaron, I asked yeah. you, I said, Aaron, uh, do you ever feel like it's a burden discipling someone? And you're like, no, no, <laughs> like it's so like the fun. most life giving thing in the world. Now it's super stressful and it's super like, God, I don't know what to do. This is like a complex individual. How do I disciple them? But it's so, you're so dependent on the Lord and it's, it's so, it feels so wonderful to disciple someone and to watch them grow. It's the most life giving purpose giving thing out there. So I think, oh man, I, I, I love discipling people like love it. I love seeing in all its forms, I did a marriage co- course for a bunch of couples that are dating. And like we were talking about Jesus yeah. and giving them skills and, their, and like that form of discipleship to just sitting down, reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's so fun. It's the, it's in, um, I think what you're, what, what I love what you said though, like you bring up a really good point is one of the main, the main idol in the Western culture is the idol of self me, myself, and I, and I don't mean selfishness or narcissism, although that that's a byproduct of it, I think, is how we look at the world through the lens of what am I going to get out of it? And how does this benefit me? And looking out for ourselves. And what you're saying is, you know, to be a follower of Jesus means that we can't just like, it's me and Jesus, that's it. Um, It's got to be in community because the Christian life isn't about the self. It's about transformation and glorification of Jesus. Yeah. Um, so I think you just nailed it on um, 
on that. But I do think it's important, number, number two, of course, to say that we have to start with end in mind. And somebody who experiences Jesus daily is somebody who understands that the maturity of a Christian is to reproduce themselves. So the last one, of course, is how do we experience Jesus daily um, is developing spiritual habits. And we always hear this tagged on to spiritual growth. Um, if someone were to ask you how to grow spiritually, most people would say, do the spiritual disciplines. I want to preface that by saying when Jesus taught people uh, in John chapter five or six, I'm forgetting the verse, he said, he said, the work of God is to believe in the one that he sent. So the primary work of a Christian in terms of faith growth is, is belief. And then out of our faith and out of our belief, develop the spiritual habits. Um, otherwise, we're just turning the gospel into another form of, of works, righteousness, and all of that. But spiritual habits are really important in um, creating a lifestyle of hearing from God and all of that. It's just not, it's not the, main, the main work. The main work is faith. Faith is what pleases God. Um, and then as we, we follow him, we can do those spiritual disciplines. But spiritual habits, especially that of um, prayer and uh, memorizing the Bible. So Proverbs 13, 11 says this, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. I love this proverb because it, it doesn't just talk about you know, money, obviously, but the principle of slow growth. And spiritual growth happens, in my experience, little by little. It's not like these giant, you get the kind of these little, these big gains when you first become a Christian, but over time, it's these very slow, methodical, like moments of transformation and, and wisdom and growth. Um, and so it happens little by little. And so we need to develop, you know, uh, ways that we connect with God so that we can continue to grow. Um, so one of them, I think, is um, Bible memorization. Jesus said again that we are to obey his teaching. How do we obey his teaching if we don't know it? John, uh, I want to bring you back into this conversation. Um, spiritual habits, quiet prayer, and Bible memorization. Um, of those two, like, which one's your weak one? Which, which one's your strong one? Quiet prayer, man. I, I That's the one you struggle yeah, with? Yeah, I struggle. I struggle sometimes like to find a quiet place. Busy mind? Yeah, I struggle with a busy mind. I, you know, I talked about productivity earlier, not because I was calling anybody out, but because I was calling myself out. You know, I, I've really mm. found myself this last week. I haven't been working and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I, I'm not being productive and I feel bad about myself. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah. you know, I, mm -hmm. I struggle so much. I've, I've, I struggle so much with slowing down and, and just being quiet in prayer and just enjoying time with the Lord and not needing to be uh, productive, which I guess is confessions of an Enneagram three as well. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, both of us are Enneagram three and confession is a really good practice for um, actually that was the third one. I didn't mention oh. it, but it's on the, on our show yeah. notes um, is confession. Yeah. You know, confessing sin, especially for us who are achievers, it's like so good because it brings us back to the inner, you know. Um, let's just take a moment to talk about what it's like to practice these things. So you talked about quiet prayer being hard for you. Um, it's not easy for me, but as I've gotten in the habit of it uh, over the last, you know, 15 years of my life, um, I find that I enter into it a lot easier. And 
when I when I do it regularly, it's easier. But if I if I'm you know miss a day, miss two days, yeah. it's a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I get there, what I find is that there's fruit of that time throughout the whole day. Um, that my mind is more peaceful. I'm more clear minded. I have a more sense of God's presence with me. Um, how about you? When you when you actually are in the rhythm of it all, what else happens? You, you have obviously the busy mind, but what, what positive things happen when you spend time with the Lord? Yeah. You know, I think, um, I never really thought of myself as a creative person. And I think that's because I get so focused on accomplishing tasks. But one thing I found is that when I'm quiet and contemplative, um, some of my creativity comes out and, and those are some of the times where I have my aha moments where I feel like I have breakthroughs. Um, and I, and, and I also feel like um, I become less reactive to the world and more proactive during those times. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I'm less reacting to what people are doing and, and rushed and more uh, intentional and proactive with my, with my time when, I, when I'm quiet like that. And, I, and, I, and the third thing that kind of comes to mind, and this, this is kind of like a John Mark Homer thing that I remember, is that um, when we Sabbath, uh, it kind of, it kind of, we have this kind of Sabbath like rest th- throughout the week, right? It's not just something we do one day. It's something that sticks with us. And we learn how to rest and Sabbath within our week when we do that practice once during the week. And, and that's what I heard when you said, it's like, if you do it every day, you find this rhythm and this rhythm mm-hmm. is really, is really life-giving and it's almost about, you got to get this habit established. And then if you miss it one day, you go, man, I feel all out of sorts, you know, like I, I miss it. I missed my quiet time today and I can feel it. And I need to, I need mm-hmm. to get back at it again tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think just that, that desire to be more proactive, more at rest, uh, more intentional, all kind of derives from that quiet prayer time. Bible memorization's also really critical because putting God's word, it's, it's inspired. It's from the spirit. Um, but it also carries truth in it. And we, we grow from truth. We grow from love. We grow from truth. Um, we grow over time. Like I mentioned, slow, steady growth over time. Um, but when we put God's word in our mind, it comes back to us. And I think the spirit of God just does stuff with it that we can't do, uh, any other way. Um, so, you know, when we memorize the Bible, I encourage people if they've never done it before to memorize paragraphs at a time not verses. Verses are like, it'd be like memorizing one sentence out of our conversation today. Like you wouldn't get a whole lot out of one phrase. You want to memorize thoughts, entire thoughts from Jesus. And to do that, you have to memorize entire paragraphs. So I would take like John 15, one through 15, take those 15 verses and memorize them. Don't just take John 15, one. You might start off with verse one, but I would say take two months and just try to memorize it. So I'm trying to memorize uh, a large, large passage from John 14. And as I've been memorizing it in the mornings and repeating it, it comes back up. I pray it for people. I think about it. Peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Like those, those are verses that I'm memorizing and it's changing me. I know it is. It's giving me more faith. So I think, you know, for people who want to memorize scripture, it really helps, you know, Jesus teachings and his voice more clearly. 
Um, anything to add on those spiritual habits? So quiet prayer, Bible memorization, confession of sin. Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, confession of sin isn't one that we hit on too hard. And, and that's one that's difficult. But I just would like to comment on how freeing it feels to repent um, of your sin, especially mm-hmm. to a friend. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, um, I, you know, I've experienced uh, a weight in my chest that, you know, feels like anxiety that is released upon confession. And um, if you feel it's that, real. It's real. yeah, <laughs> if you feel that burden, um, you know, a reflection of like, man, Lord, what's going on in my life? Am I obeying you? Am I following your teachings? Like, am I living out of sync at all? And is there anything I need to confess? And, and uh, confessing that, I, I, I promise you, um, if you confess that to a trusted individual, you will not be punished. You know, it will be freeing, you know, you, and I think, yeah, um, yeah. Um, that's the power of, of repentance is this, I'm going to confess, I did it. And I, I want to change, you know, I want to turn yeah. towards the Lord and I want to do this his way. And, um, very confession free. and repentance isn't remorse and it's not, uh, restitution. Like, here's what I got to do to make it up to somebody. Yeah. Repentance and confession is against you and you alone. God, have I sinned Psalm 51 mm-hmm. and I take responsibility of this and I need uh, to be changed. Martin Luther said, all of the Christian life is a life of repentance. Yeah. So I love that because it's like, dude, if we normalize repentance, then no one feels like they're the ones who get shamed. Yeah. So just, you know, for everyone to know, like in my own life, every Monday or Tuesday, I call my friend uh, Jeff and we have some time of confession. And as a church planner, it's been probably the most spiritually important um, practice that I do is to call my friend Jeff up and say, Hey man, here's where I screwed up. Here's where my thoughts are. Here's the temptations. The moment I start confessing those things and he's like, okay, what are you going to do about it? What's God say to you? Um, and he, he dives in with me. I just feel his weight, like you said, off my shoulders and a new spiritual power and freshness and clarity come to my mind. So if anybody's out there, you've never practiced this, I think this is a failure of the evangelical church to really understand how important it is to confess our sins to one another um, because God has so much power and freedom to give to us through it, which is, which is huge. Um, so how do we experience Jesus and be resilient disciples? Uh, number one, of course, we have to realign our values and count the costs of following him. Do we really want to spend time with him? He wants to spend time with you. He has so much to give you. He has so much life to pour out into us. Number two, start with end in mind by thinking about what it means to obey Jesus and to make other followers of him. And number three, create habits that help us hear from him, Bible memory, quiet prayer, confession of sin. And of course, those habits are not things that like save us in any way. Believing is the right work, but our habits really help us connect with him more. Um, John, one takeaway from the show today. What's one thing you're going to take away? Prioritize Jesus in your life. And that should be reflected through your schedule your time, your money. That's good. Yeah. Um, for me, what I'm taking away, uh, I think the, the Proverbs 13, 11 verse wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. I think taking that principle and applying it to our spiritual life is just like kind of giving me like, Oh, I wrote that. I wrote that down in our prep, but somehow that little verse like really speaks to me today of 
Spiritual growth happens little by little. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for listening again to another episode of the Resilient Christian Podcast. Uh, this is season three. We're really excited. We are praying that you would experience Jesus today and know him. Uh, if you would uh, do us a favor, and if this show is blessing you in any way, would you leave a good uh, review on Apple and follow us on whatever platform you follow that helps us get the word out. And then we would love to um, hear any stories or any questions you have. You can always DM us on our Instagram account at Resilient Christian Podcast and let us know what God's up to and ask us any questions. And it really is you who make this show what it is. We love our audience. We love the people who listen. And we're grateful for your time wherever you listen from. So from John and I, grateful for you all. Happy New Year 2022. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care and God bless.